Snippet, the short podcast platform. Warning, moments of the following podcast are not for the faint of heart. Parental discretion recommended. Welcome back to Ghosts and Legends, Haunted Ships. I'm Chris August. This is a new show from Snippet that brings you real paranormal investigations from some of the country's most reportedly haunted sites. Tonight, we are aboard the Steam Ferry Berkeley at San Diego's Maritime Museum to investigate. Part 2, the Steam Ferry Berkeley investigation. Our first stop of the night was to the Berkeley's Boiler Room. All right, so I'm opening up the, uh, the hatch uh, into the boiler room. Um, obviously, it's like a water hatch. You know, if, if for whatever reason there was flooding or anything like that, you know, you'd shut this thing off to, to, to stop it flooding the entire ship. But because we're below the water line at this point. So a common sensation here, and if anyone ever feels that uh, when you're walking, especially if you're at the back of the line, if you're walking with the group, uh, people will commonly feel like they're being followed, uh, that there's something really creeping up on them, looking over their shoulder. I get that sensation a lot in certain locations of the ship, but particularly down in this boiler room. Uh, don't be surprised if you feel that while you're walking along. And down here is a very popular spot for um, you know, when we do these investigations, there's a lot of heaviness that's experienced down here, a lot of uh, the sounds of walking, particularly above us on the catwalks. Um, energy shifts that take place down here, cold sensations, and uh, disembodied voices are common down here. It is um, 10.05 p.m. We are down here in the boiler room of the Steam Ferry Berkeley. And uh, we're going to go ahead and um, go lights out. Then it was time to get quiet and listen for a while. What does this mean when we need to get quiet and we need to listen? Well, we often consider this settling or let the environment settle. This means that we need to get ourselves in a comfortable, relaxed state and position so that we can all be attentive and utilize our senses and be in the moment. Now, right off the bat, just as we were letting ourselves get settled in our environment, I picked up on some strange disembodied voice. And in that moment, I swore that it sounded like a female voice or some high-pitched, uh, childlike woman. And interestingly, we were able to capture it on the audio recorder afterwards back in the studio. Um, tagged the audio recorder, there was a, uh, it was like a, a female, I don't know if it was one or two syllables off. Now here's that noise again, isolated and with the volume raised. Now we're going to play it back a few times here. Now to me, it sounds like, at the very least, a one syllable, either a high 
hello or help. What I can tell you is that we're very well versed with the sounds of the Berkeley and any normal um, audible noises that the ship would make. And this is not uh, a normal sound that would come from the ship. This is a very high pitched voice or noise that it does not align with something typical from the Berkeley. And I find it especially interesting that I was able to acknowledge it and call it out right in that moment. This is Chris sitting over here by myself. I think the rest of the crew went to the other side of the room. I'm hearing a lot of footsteps and like a weird growl. A lot of vibration down here, at least on my end. I really don't like it by that door. I'm just, it's like you're being watched from that corner. I feel very drawn to it. There's just like there's something that's, it's just watching from there. And normally I feel pretty comfortable here, uh, at least towards the door. But for some reason I'm feeling a little uneasy. Yeah, something like something's just watching. But it's not coming forward, it's just watching. Immediately thereafter, our sound guys started to pick up fluctuating radio interference on our mics. I'm picking up radio interference that's growing. Yeah. There's like a rising radio interference that's picking up on the lab receivers. That interference just disappeared, by the way. Did it? Yeah. So I'm not moving, and I'm hearing it fluctuate. Huh. Few others in the crew also started to feel very bizarre down there. I've got a, like a whole tingle in my whole body. I, f I feel really, really weird. That's so funny. I was just going to say my whole left hand, I just started clenching and tingly all up my arm. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like almost twitchy. Like I feel completely bizarre. Yeah, my arms feel cold. Well, that's not at all creepy. This, this shadow right here just seems like it's just moving closer and closer towards me. So we decided to leave the boiler room behind and move on to a different location. Next stop from the boiler room, we're heading into the engine room, which is directly attached and connected to the boiler room. And with that, we fired up the SB7 to test the Estes method. What is the Estes method? Well, the Estes method was first used in Estes Park, Colorado of the Stanley Hotel in 2016. This was utilized by Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall, and Michelle Tate. What this means is that we're using what's called an SB7 spirit box, commonly used by investigators in the field. What this is is isolated noise from the SB7 spirit box which has a listener, or also known as a receiver, and the device will sweep AM-FM frequencies, and the feed is then provided to the listener. The listener is only able to hear what is coming through the SB7 device. They cannot hear anything else. They must be using noise-canceling headphones. Other individuals participating in this experiment will be present nearby and they will be asking questions in hopes that the receiver 
will be able to respond directly to those questions. Hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. Who's a dummy? You calling me a dummy? I think you're a dummy. Great. What is the name of this ship? Danger. Are we in danger? Or are you in danger? You know better. He knew. Where did you travel on this ship? Is there a city you can identify? Control. Did you work down here? Did you work? You were? All right, let's stop and rewind that. Did you just hear what I heard? Let's listen back. You're going to hear what, honest to God, sounds like me that is coming through the spirit box. Did you work down here? Did you work? Did you work? Did you work? Did you work? Now, how is that possible? I want to make a note that we are all mic'd to our own audio channels. Mike, who is listening on the spirit box, he is lying directly to the spirit box. I am not linked or connected to the spirit box whatsoever. Now, when you listen back to that, that voice sounds identical to me. Did you work? Now, back here at the studio, we've been dissecting this and we've been just racking our brains trying to figure out how in the world is that possible that what sounds to be my voice coming through the spirit box. I did ask the question, did you work here? Now, to be fair, we did look into this further. It is possible that radio being radio, that somehow my voice got scrambled into the frequency. How likely this is, we're not quite sure. We do want to point out that it is a possibility. I can tell you in my years of experience, I have never heard that before. Help us understand. Can you say somebody's name that's in this group right now? Hobby. Could this be a direct response to my question? I am asking for spirit to identify anyone in our group by name. Mike hears Hobby. Upon playback here at the studio, we think the name that's given is Bobby. Keep in mind that if spirit is calling out a name or answering the question, it could be not only somebody in our group, but it could be somebody from their past or when they were alive former worker in that very engine room. 
Let's recap some of the words that were received from Mike, who was the listener with the SB7 Spirit Box. Danger. You know better. He knew. Control. All right, we give you about 30 seconds more to say something to Mike. Attack. Terrible. Time is 11.13 p.m. We are here in the uh, uh, staff uh, break room, uh, Steam Ferry, Berkeley. This is the site of the former lavatory where the only documented death on the ship took place. Now, documented does not mean the only death. It just means it's the only one that was actually reported. To give you a visual here, our crew and I are sitting at the table in this lavatory, which is also today a break room for the crew. Just nearby is this hallway where we have the REM pods stationed. Typically, before we get ourselves situated to conduct a session, we always do what's called an EMF sweep. And that means we're sweeping the environment to check for any uh, ongoing or consistent EMF frequencies that trigger our devices. Upon doing a sweep of the environment, we did not find any uh, ongoing EMF currents that would trigger our devices. So the, the REM pod is currently in the hallway and there is nothing that is interfering with this device. Here's my colleague, investigator Mike, with the legend of John Norbaum. In October of 1911, um, and it was transporting people from, from San Francisco to Oakland uh, when uh, a, a mining engineer by the name of John Norbaum uh, was down in the, the men's laboratory. And, you know, there are rumors and things like that you know, whether it was an intentional thing or if it was unintentional or if it was just an accident, I kind of tend to lean towards the accident piece uh, where he had a, a vial of nitroglycerin in his back pocket. And for whatever reason, he got moved into uh, the ship itself, you know, and knocked the vial, dropped to the ground behind him, big explosion, blew off his entire backside. Uh, and injured five other people that were happened to be in or near the laboratory at the time. Um, but he's the only known casualty uh, from that um, that I've ever been able to find as far as newspaper articles. Our REM pod started to go off intermittently as we spoke to John. Wow. Got another hit. What is a REM pod? A REM pod is a radiating EM device detecting electromagnetic fields. When this device lights up, it means that spirit, or believed to be spirit, that is approaching the device and it detects their presence. So the device will either make noise, it will light up, it can also detect an increase or decrease in temperature. Hey, what's going on back there? Do it again. We know somebody stands back there in that hall. We can help 
tell the truth of what really happened. Keep going. We're listening. I'm feeling, um, it's a pain in my chest, but feeling a little nauseated. But of course, I got those, these EM pumps nearby. John, when did you die? When was that? So I asked a pretty direct question. When did you die? Pretty simple, right? Now you're going to hear in the background the REM pod. It's going off. You're going to hear a long tone, an ongoing tone. And then you're going to hear some intermittent beeps. The long tone is an EM reading. The short tone, or the intermittent tone, is the temperature. Now, if we do want to get creative or even think outside the box here, could it be possible that the intermittent tones is a communication of Morse code or some kind of communication identifying a year, which would be a direct response to my question? At that point, Mike and a couple others saw a fleck of light moving in the dark hallway. I saw a small little light. It moved from here to here. It was in the hallway and it moved here, I saw it. here to here, like that. But I keep, Come on out, John. I keep feeling that he's like just on the other side. You know, he's just over there and he don't want to, doesn't want to come out. That dark hallway is notorious for shadow apparitions and movements moving through the doorways. And with that, it was time to bid farewell to John and to the Steam Ferry Berkeley. All right, good night, John. We're done. We're done with you. Later. And that concludes our investigation of the Steam Ferry Berkeley. Join us in part three as we board the Star of India for another Ghosts and Legends Haunted Ships investigation. This has been an authentic paranormal investigation from Orange County Ghosts and Legends and Snippet. Recording and original music by Jonathan Rock. Editing and production from Steph Weaver-Weinberg, with executive production from Tyler Russell. For more short, original shows, visit snippet.fm.